Welcome to episode 26 of the Global Gamers Podcast. We have rounded the quarter century. We have indeed. The tides, the tides are coming in. <laughs> oh, we're going with the aquatic uh, turns of phrase already, are we? Well, I mean, we're definitely not delving this time. I <laughs> know we're not. <laughs> no, we are um, not. And we are. We kind of, you know, in rounding the quarter century, we're kind of almost going back to the beginning to a game that we talked about very early on. We talked about it a lot in our very first episode, the top yes. 10 episode. And then it was our second full-length review. Episode um, three, yeah. And to this day, um, our most popular episode. Hmm. Who doesn't yeah. think it? I so, mean, that makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> um, so we'll see if if, uh, if that's reflected in how this episode does. Um. So this week, we will be reviewing Everdell Farshore. And that may sound confusing because we've already reviewed Everdell, the complete collection. The completest so, of complete collections. Yeah, the whole, I mean, they, they promised it was a complete collection. <laughs> they swore there would never be more. Yes, but much like, um, you know, the end of the you know initial six star wars movies or the pirates of the caribbean trilogy or countless other franchises or any concert you've ever been to there mm -hmm. must be an encore they always find a way to be like well it's done but it's not really done but it's still <laughs> done but we didn't mean it like that literally <laughs> because we realize there's still more money to be made on this brand so here we go um so Everdell Farshore, that's just a long way of getting into, um, it is a standalone game set in the same world, the same Everdell universe, and much like its uh, predecessor, the one that started it all, it is designed by James A. Wilson, this time with uh, a co-partnership, well, a partnership with his wife, Clarissa A. Wilson, who I believe like was involved in Everdell as well, but wasn't um like credited fully um for whatever reason um and it is published by starling games mm -hmm. this time however we do not have art by um oh by gosh, andrew bosley andrew yeah. bosley yes this time we have art by jackie davis mm -hmm. and you could fool someone kind of because it looks very similar, but there's something about it. That's just a little bit off that made me, even before we played this game and I just saw what the box looked like, I was like, huh? Well, do you know what I think is it that is? Andrew Bosley? Cause it doesn't seem like it is, but it could be, you know what I think part of it is though. I think part of it hmm. is like a lot of the art is just a little smudged. And I think, I mean, intentionally. So maybe in keeping with the aquatic theme, it's just like a little like, yeah, just kind of blurry around the edges on the map itself and a little on the cards, that's, too. Yeah, that's kind of how some of the Averdell art was as well, though. But I, I have some thoughts on the uh -huh. presentation of this game that we can get into down the road. But just keeping with uh, getting through the basics. Um, yes. As of right now, it is rated a 2.67 complexity on BoardGameGeek. Which, just for comparison, um, Everdell, the original, is a 2.81. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so this is a little bit lighter, according to Board Game Geek, and I think that's right. Um, player count, one to four players, with a playtime of 40 to 80 minutes, ages 10 plus. And I don't really know if it's really worth like talking about where it's ranked right now, because this just came out, so it's going to be a very dynamic that's going to be a moving target yeah Yeah. i mean right now it's like ranked number seven thousand and eighty four and i don't think that's where it's going to end up no presumably it will move up yeah yeah i mean if only like i mean the name alone is going to bump it up just because of the amount of buzz it's going to get no doubt yeah um so just the theme it's the same kind of look as everdell you have animals building buildings in a beautiful natural habitat you know these anthropomorphic creatures doing the same old thing gathering resources to prepare for the changing of the seasons or in this case the changing of the tides so in this game um you are set on the north coast of the everdell valley um in the land of far shore and yeah you're literally <laughs> building buildings to build a city on far shore as the sea changes I, there's not much else to say other than that yeah for folks that are um, familiar with the base game it the 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 nuts and bolts are largely the same yeah um and we were just discussing how to approach this because you know normally we do a little bit of rules explanation but this week we we thought it would make more sense because this game is so similar to the original Everdell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really warrant like a full explanation. You can always like l- listen to our Everdell episode or you may already be familiar with Everdell. So the more interesting thing I think to talk about from a rules and gameplay perspective um is just like the things that are different. So Ryan, you're the one who spent a good chunk of time this weekend oh, getting yeah. cozy playing this game with I mean, you played when when we played it was a three player game, and then you played it two a couple times, and you even did it solo. So yeah, you're the rules expert. I'm sure you you probably have more developed thoughts than I do at this point on yeah the differences. Yeah, sure. Uh, happy to talk about that. So the the other thing I did is I played one game. I forgot if I mentioned this of base Everdell all by itself as well. So have that. Mm, comparison that's a good point that's a good point in my mind too uh so i think a helpful way to think about this is two sides of the coin what has been added and what has been taken away on the side of what's been added you have a couple new scoring opportunities that are adding a significant portion to your score that are operating in slightly to somewhat different ways from the base game. Uh, One big difference is that you have added something called map cards. These are taking the place of basic and special events. So you don't have any of the basic or special events where you're trying to like you know, in the base game, have particular pairings of critters or, you know, have a certain number of a mix of different buildings. Uh, Basically, how this works is 
you've got these little tiles and you claim them. The way that scoring works is you have descending point values for each of these. You've got one on the top that's a times two multiplier. Then you've got one underneath that's a times one multiplier. And then you have one on the bottom that's a, well, all the rest of them below that are times zero. And basically you are multiplying the value of each of these that you acquire, taking that multiplier number and multiplying it by the number of total map tiles you have. So this is going to grow like, you know, exponentially after you've gotten a couple of them. Yeah. It's not a, it's not like a perfect comparison, but the thing it reminded me most that was on my mind recently was kind of the way um, the popularity scoring works in Scythe and Expeditions. Yeah. 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 Or, or how that uh, there's a, a couple classes of dwarf in need of Valir that kind of make use of something that's akin yes. to this, the miners, I believe it is. Um, so that's a big scoring component change in terms of how you actually get the points. Although at the end of the day, similar another, but probably the, the biggest change in terms of scoring is that you have one worker that is setting sail on the high seas and how this works is you have a little boat that goes around the edge of the board. And at certain points of the game, when you've fulfilled certain conditions, you can move that boat further and further along its course. And every time you move it, you acquire points. Uh, you're starting out at two points for every movement. And then about halfway through, you start getting diminishing returns. You, it goes drops down to one point per movement. And this is just a number between two and 60 that gets added to your final score, depending on where your boat is at the end of the game. And just to give you an idea of how you're achieving these movements, you have some green power cards that instead of giving you resources, allow you to move your boat. And then the other main way that you're moving your boat introduces a third significant difference in terms of gameplay compared to base Everdell. And that is something called the wind rose tokens. And what these do is they change every season and they list certain conditions that, that give you a bonus if you play cards in that season that correspond to them. So for instance, you've got two different ones per season and it could be say any unique card construction or critter that is played you fulfill that condition or it could be any green power any of the five card five colors that the cards can be and basically you get to move your ship once every time you play a card that meets one of those two conditions is the long and short of it. Yep. And there are a few cards that introduce minor variations on some of the existing brown and green powers, but honestly, most of them are 
slightly powered up versions of like abilities that there was already a precedent for in the in either the base game or some of the expansions in the complete collection of Everdell. Yeah, we spent a lot of time when we were playing this um just basically <laughs> like doing like a matching contest of like, oh, this card is the this yeah. one is like basically the same thing as the historian from the original, or that's their version of the queen and all this stuff. Right. Um, the only other thing I wanted to point out for scoring that's new in this one um, is the map token, the treasure tokens. Yeah. Um, so basically they're just these little tokens that you get uh, any number of ways. One of which is when you move your boat, there's some spots where you get a treasure token. If you pass it and there are like some cards will let you get it, whatever. Um, and basically they're worth two points each at the end of the game, or you can choose to discard the treasure token um, as any one resource of your choice if you're in a pinch. Right. So that's the only other thing. Yeah. And then... Other than that, I mean, like, this this is Everdell. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's, base, it's, it's Everdell. Exactly. Now, in addition to what we've already covered, there are a few small rule adjustments around the edges just to streamline things a little bit one of those is that in the meadow which in far shore is called the bay if you have multiples of the same card out in the array of cards you can choose from they get stacked on each other so you don't have two or three farms clogging up the meadow and choking out other cards and it just keeps things fresh and gives you ensures that you have at least eight cards to choose from every time you play. There are two other significant changes that are subtractions that I want to touch on. One of them is, I think, probably the game, the thing that changes the game most fundamentally, in my estimation, and that is... One of the core mechanics of the base game has been altered pretty substantially. In the base game, you were able to build any structure first and then pair it with its corresponding critter for free. Without for, free. Pay, for free, exactly, without pay, paying the, the berry cost. In this version, you don't have that capability anymore. Instead you have these three anchor tokens and they're, they're basically the same as the, as the little yellow chits that you get in the, the new golden, leaf version, the golden occupied tokens. Yes. The, the golden occupied tokens that let you play three critters for free over the course of the whole game. Those are the only three critters in far shore that you get to play for free and they have to, match to a building type that matches the card of the critter. The only other thing I'll say is some of the spots on the board, the worker placement spots are different. One of the big changes that I think worked pretty well, but we can get into that is uh, the spot for discarding cards for free resources has been made more efficient. You're discarding one card for one resource of your choice rather than two cards for every resource of your choice. And then instead of forest locations, you have island locations. The same principles apply, usually slightly powered up spots compared to the basic locations on the board. 
but after the end of the second season, there's high tide and these spots are mostly covered up and you're not able to use them for the second half of the game. But yeah. I think that covers most of the significant changes. And they also they also removed some of the basic locations. There's fewer of them on this board than in the original. Yeah, they did streamline yeah. it. But that like, like that's not really something that you notice that much because the ones they took away were the less good ones. Yeah, like the one where you get two wood in a card or two wood yeah. in a coin, whatever. The ones that the ones that like you go to as a backup plan if someone else took your spot, basically. Yeah. Oh, one one other spot I wanted to mention that they added. They basically gave you the a free post office spot where you can discard any number of cards and then draw up to your hand limit. So that's one other, I'd say, medium-sized change to the game board. But that's the last one I'll mention. What if we just say one change that we liked, one change that we didn't as starting? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, One change that I liked... I think, honestly, the the cycling of cards in general, the two spots that you pointed out on the board, the one that lets you draw up to your hand limit and the one that lets you throw cards away to get resources, that really helps kind of keep things going and prevent stagnation. So that's the one that I liked. The one mm-hmm. that I didn't like... Well, let's get into the oh. didn't like in a sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's stay positive for now. Yeah. Um as far as the things I liked, I think there are two that I want to bring up. The first is a relatively small one, and that is I like the introduction of the treasure tokens as wilds. And I yes. and I especially like the fact that they made them worth two points instead of one because it makes it a little bit more painful to use them and it encourages you to hoard them a little bit more. And I like the the tension and trade-off you have on your last couple turns when you're gaming out the possibilities and trying to figure out how to maximize your options. Yeah, I agree with that. The treasure tokens were a lot of fun. Um. So, for the negative change, I don't really know if, like, I have, like, a negative change per se. Because the things they change in, like, a one-for-one, I don't have a problem with it. I think, like, my negatives are more, like, big-picture stuff. But Uh. if I had to pick one, honestly, I would just go with the the ship. The ship tracker didn't Uh care for it. Um, D- I thought didn't it, love the ch- ship. Tracker. I, okay. It didn't fit. It was like too many points that were just completely separate from what was going on in the rest of the game. Mm. Um, and also like the, de- like from just a design perspective, it also annoyed me because it was kind of difficult to keep track of where your ship was on the tracker because like your ship is a off to the bit. side of the board and the ship is bigger than the spot. So you have to like, really pay attention to where you are and where everyone else is. Especially just, early when everyone's design. bunched together. 
Yeah, like you know, yeah. a lot of other games when you have a tracker like that, you you have like a little piece, a little color coded piece that just goes on your spot, and if multiple people are on the same spot, you could just stack them. This it just it was a little bit clunky. I appreciated what they were going for at the boats, and that was nice, but it kind of fits with the Everdell, um, you know, Evertree curse of just having these big, kind of bulky. 3d elements of the game that look nice but are just kind of a nuisance <laughs> when it comes to gameplay yeah yeah and and i mean there's also just a little side note um there's a lighthouse in this game that kind of fills the same niche as the average but it's even more useless um <laughs> it's, it's a little bit less obnoxious assemble. Yes. easier to assemble. easier to assemble and it doesn't cast a shadow over the entire board so it's a little bit less obnoxious but it's also a little more useless so it's a wash yeah i don't know yeah. it, it looks nice i think but yeah no i mean it, no doubt purely, like, it looks purely nice, ornamental just, yeah um did you have a negative change i mean you kind of alluded to the um the way the occupied tokens worked Yes. So the ones I the ones I wasn't crazy about I I wasn't a I wasn't a huge fan of the change in um in in um construction and critter like playability where it was mm-hmm. limited to 3 times per game. I understand why they did it. Just because I think one of the critiques we often saw of the original game was that you're always just digging for the right card and you can feel blocked if that one card doesn't come up sometimes when you're trying to do those pairings. So I get why they tried to go in a different direction here, but I think limiting it to only three times per turn, I see the benefit of only having it a limited number of times because it makes you be strategic and make it count. But if everyone's only doing it three times, I feel like it's not as big a differentiator where in the base game, you could have someone who's really skilled at the game chain together Mm -hmm. things in a really satisfying and a really complex way by playing those and you kind of lose that chain ability in a way that I think mm, it takes some getting used to. I'll put it that way. I mean, I have an even more like just fundamental problem with it um, in that I don't like the way it changes the game and the strategy at all because part of Everdell, and I understand this is a different game allegedly, but it really isn't. It's the same exact strategy in terms of how you play it. Um, part of how you play Everdell is you have that 15 card limit in your city, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the tension of how, like, you want to meet the 15 because you want all the points from having it, your city full, but you also want to pace yourself so that you put the right 15 in. Yeah. And having the flexibility with the critter pairings was always a key part of that. And taking that away, I think, was a big hit on this game because I don't know what your subsequent plays were like, but the game that we played, um, that three-player game, no one finished their city. You know? And that was... Yeah. Especially when, like, the resources are a little bit more hard to come by. Also taking away the critter chaining with the occupied tokens, again, just kind of 
for no reason kind of took away that fun tension of pacing yourself nicely and that satisfaction of like getting the exact perfect spread of 15 that you wanted right well and the i mean there's another related change that we didn't touch on and that is the as i mean yeah as you were just talking about the limit of 15 is a crucial part of understanding how to excel at this game in the base game you had multiple ways to play low value cards that are earning you resources and then get rid of them later mm-hmm. to to sub in higher value cards for late game scoring you that is a much smaller part of farshore because any really single, i it didn't and, feel like well, it but think about it but i only this. played once any because you can you can play the castaway and you can play the shipwreck but they're both unique a unique critter and a unique mm-hmm. construction, which means you can only do one of them each. So you're limited to right. swapping out two cards the entire game. Whereas... Well, in the original, don't you have the... Isn't the dungeon similarly unique? But if you have the dungeon ranger pairing, you can... I guess you can tuck multiple, right? Well, you can do that, but then think about this. You also have the ruins. You also have the university. Yes. You have oh all, yeah yeah the university you, is a big one the ruins you, you, not so much because the ruins kind of replaces the spot, um right, and you just get the resources back but yeah yes. the university is a big one so is there so, really no like university I don't equivalent I don't think this? I don't I don't think there is a university equivalent in this game, not that I not that I remember seeing on wow. any of I my mean, playthroughs so far I mean you've played it like what four three or four times. No more than that, yeah. like five you or six. You think you would have seen yeah. it by now? Yeah, because the deck, like, it isn't that big. You would have seen it by now, right? Um, so that that to me is a pretty big change because I think I think that is a product of I, well, I think that that is a symptom of what you were alluding to in terms of not always filling out your city with fifteen because. I think you have you have to thread the needle even more in far shore between you know on the one hand not playing too many cards low like low value cards that aren't going to get you a ton of late game scoring but on the other hand you know leaving empty spots in your city and that's harder to do one without so the... I don't I don't think it's threading the needle more diff- like even more so I think it's even less so like there's no consequences to playing low value cards in your city because you're going to have the free spots whereas oh, in the original game the I spots are more saying. the real estate is more valuable yeah. no you're right you know so like yeah like you can just play a mediocre card and this is what I did in the game that we played I played like I just I, what is the one that gives you two wood just like a the, basic green card. I yeah, had like one. It had like a turtle shell basically. on it. Yeah. Yes. So I had one already and then a second one showed up and I was like, eh, I don't need it, but I'll play it because why not? I, it's the final season. And I still have three spots left, you yeah. know? Um, and I feel like that doesn't happen as much in the original. So one caveat I'll say to that is it depends somewhat in my experience on your first or second season, how well it goes. Because if you get some of, 
one thing I've taken away from the playthroughs I've done so far is that the early seasons are less forgiving in this game. You really need the stars to align to be able to fill out your city. I've had a few games where I've been able to fill out the city, but they were games where I got like either the equivalent of the judge really early or the equivalent of the historian really early where I was drawing resources for most of the game every time I played a card. And because you're drawing fewer resources and don't have the option of completely foregoing berries as a resource for the most part, um, unless you're able to get that kind of an engine going from early on, you're probably not going like it, it's, it's significantly harder. I think than than the base base Everdell to fill out your city. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the problem I have with this game. Yeah. Um, so I think, it's about that time that maybe let's let's turn a little bit more to like the general discussion of like because we had a really interesting and good conversation about this after we played it about just like part of the overall feeling we had not just about like the experience of playing this game mm-hmm. but also kind of the not to make it sound like too bad but like the why does this game even exist discussion <laughs> i mean that sounds pretty bad and i think there's i think does, there's I'm, i think I'm, there's a nicer I mean, way to say it than that yeah. what i mean by that is um there are a lot of games where you have re-implementations of previous games right so you have really old games that are republished in second or third editions you have newer games even so the comparison i keep thinking of is raiders of the north sea that was reskinned to raiders of scythia um and then you have obviously games that have similar mechanics so people debate things like lost ruins of arnak versus dune imperium you have games in the same universe like all the garfield games we talk about all the time more recently we talked about expeditions in the scythe universe and so what i what i mean by that is this game is being pitched as a standalone new game in the Everdell universe, right? What's the little um, sticker that's on the front of the box? The Everdell, um, like the little universe they're building? It's called Edge of the Map. Right. And so that immediately made me think of like what Garfield is doing with the North, South, East, West, right? where all these games have the same kind of look, same artwork, same designer, but they're fundamentally going to be different games and play differently. That's what I thought this was going to be. And that's not what this is. But at the same time, it is not being marketed the way that Raiders of Scythia was, which is, yes, this is the same game as Raiders of the North Sea, but this is a more consolidated package that has the expansion content basically built in and it's completely different artwork, different theme, totally different look and feel to the game. So now you have a choice between the two. And I think the problem that I was having with this is it didn't fit either of those. You know what I mean? It's not advertising itself as a new addition to replace an existing game, but it's also not 
a standalone new game in a shared universe. Yeah, because it in shares... A, in a real way. It claims to be, but I'm not sold on that. Well, I mean, I agree with you on that because, I mean, you sometimes you'll hear people talk about a game sharing its DNA with another game. Well, this game mm-hmm. shares its DNA and its RNA with Everdell. Right, and that's why I said what I said. Um, (laughs) And, I mean, to me, it comes across a bit cynical from a publisher's point. I imagine this is probably more on the publisher than on the designer. Um, And it does make me kind of worried for if they have other games planned in this Everdell universe, are we just going to get the same thing? Like 90% the same game every time. It's just going to be the next one will be in the desert. And then the next one after that will be in the rainforest. And then the next one will be on Mars. And I don't know. <laughs> and so could we, let's get into maybe a few specific things about the gameplay itself. Maybe because I want to get your thoughts on a couple things. Mm-hmm. One one thing I want to get your thoughts on is this. The map tiles. There are mixed opinions on these that I've seen. Some people think that they're a little bit overpowered and contribute too much to your scoring. The most you can get out of them is 72. That would almost... I can't picture a world where you actually get that because you would have to take all six of the top ones uncontested, which doesn't seem realistic to me. Um, but yeah, you do have this question of like, is it too large a share of points? But on the other hand, I've also seen people online talking about the fact that they like it. And what they specifically like about it is basic and special events in base Everdell was all or nothing first past the pole. You either are the first one there and you get all the points or you don't. And one of the things that some people like about this is it softens the blow of that a little bit where yes, you don't get the full on advantage of being the first one there and the max number of points, but you still get something for having completed the objective. What are your thoughts on that? to me, it makes absolutely no difference because it works out to be the exact same thing. And what I mean by that is in base Everdell, someone gets all the points. The other person gets zero, right? Cause it's right. first past the post, but they're fewer points. So even if in this version, you still get some points, the person who got it first is still getting way more points than you. So it's, it's kind of the same. In ter- you think when it's you, kind like, of a wash? When, yeah, when you factor in like all the point inflation that this game has, it kind of doesn't really make a difference. And in, I actually think it's less interesting than Everdell because part of what is, to me, a marker of a good worker placement game is that the limited spots are an important strategy element of the gameplay. And... If you want something, you need to time when you take it. And if you decide to wait a turn or two to take it, you are factoring in the risk that someone else will take it before you. And someone else, especially who's paying attention to what you're doing, like that's greater for player interaction. Um, yeah. And if you take that away and it's like, eh, well, well, I can just wait a couple turns because it doesn't matter anyway. I'll still get some points. 
that's less interesting to me. So the my 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 best response yes. to that is that I have no preference. My worst response is that I actually prefer the original. So I I think there's one other factor here that I think weighs in favor of the original, and that is you don't have variability here. There's one set of six different map tiles that get carted out for every game of Farshore versus having a variety of basic and special events that you can swap in and out. I mean, not the basic events. The basic events are always the same. Well, okay, the basic... Yes, for the basic events, but I... Yeah, I misspoke. The special events is what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I. I mean, we can talk about like the individual gameplay things, but ultimately, what it comes down to for me is just like there are there don't there are certain things, little details in this game that I that I look at. I'm like, that's nice. That's an upgrade from the original. I prefer that. Like those um, new worker placement spots I mentioned, where you can throw away mm-hmm. cards, get resources more efficiently than the original. Um, the stacking repeat cards in the bay, stuff like that. Fine. Some of the individual cards themselves have cool powers. Great. But at the end of the day, there is nothing in it that's like a big deal that isn't better or already present in Everdell. And on the flip side, there's a lot of stuff that I find really charming in Everdell that's either like not present in this game or it it shows up, but kind of in a washed out way. One other, one one, other one I wanted to mention on that, that Uh plays into that same thing is one of my favorite things about Everdell is the asymmetric player powers. And you don't have that in this game. That's that's for the different critters. That's on the base game of Everdell though. Well, well, sure. But like, I understand that's not in the base game, but like, Mm -hmm you have the option of it with the base game with the expansions and maybe, maybe they'll add it later to this game. Who knows? But I guess what I mean is right now in August, 2023, if Mm -hmm. I have a choice between playing far shore and playing Everdell, I'm going to pick Everdell nine times out of 10 because it has more options for me. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, yes. And, I think the only time that I would ever pick Far Shore is like if I didn't want to carry my Everdell complete collection with me. The only other time I would recommend Far Shore over Everdell to someone else is if they were committed and signed like a pledge to never buy any expansion content. Then even then, maybe I might tell them get Far Shore over the original Everdell. Mm-hmm. But there's certain even then, like even with some of the upgrades and like quality of life improvements in Farshore, there's certain things about the original Everdell that I still would take any day. Like I, like as we, as we've talked about, like part of the appeal of Everdell and this whole Everdell universe is the presentation of the games, right? Like we make fun of the tree and the lighthouse and all that, but they look nice and the they resources great, yeah. are really high quality. The art, the artwork on the card is amazing. And that's true across the board, but like, honestly, all of that, even that stuff is a step down in Farshore. And I don't blame the artist Jackie Davis for that. So like when I, when I mentioned her early on in 
you know, relative to Andrew Bosley, I kind of, I almost like kind of feel like she was done dirty by this game. And what I mean by that is I look, I clicked on her profile on board game geek, right. To see like what else she's worked on. Mm-hmm. She has done some really big titles. She has done um, Viticulture and Euphoria mm-hmm. for Stonemaier games. She did Cubitos. She's done a whole bunch of like really high profile games and you can see in those titles more of like what her style is. And in this game, it looks like they basically just hired someone to do discount Andrew Bosley. Either, hmm. Like maybe because he didn't want to come back because he'd had enough or something or just wasn't available for whatever reason, right? And I'm like, if you're, again, like do what Garfield did with Raiders of Scythia versus North Sea. If you're going to give us basically the same game gameplay-wise give us a totally different visual experience then and hire a new artist and let them have free reign then to like take in a totally different direction. That would have been more interesting. Um, because like none of the artwork in this game quite reached the level of Everdell for me, even like the way the characters are memorable. Like even as we're talking about how they play in this review, the ones that you remember are the ones from the original game. Like, we don't remember the names of the cards in this game. Well, you keep fairness, saying, like, we've played the base game a lot more, too. Fair, but, like, I remember, like, I mean, because I only played Everdell for the first time, like, probably about a year ago now. And I remember, like, there were, especially the critters, were way more memorable on a first play. Like, you remember, like, the minor mole and the chip sweep and the historian you know and it's not just like the basic ones like the king and the queen that are obvious whereas in this one i don't really remember the names of the characters like i kind of can picture them in my mind but i remember the steward duck no (laughs) i don't i don't um i like there's so many ducks i I don't recall um yeah and yeah so i just i didn't feel like that warm everdell feeling from this game and Mm. even like you know, the resources are really high quality, but they're just, they're not as nice as the original with the exception of the kelp. I'll give them the kelp. Yeah. But like the stone is just a blue stone. Um, The wood is still wood, but the original wood looks cooler and the berries look way cooler than the mushrooms, you know, like even just little details. I'm like, if you really wanted to make the same game again, I like show me why. And I just didn't feel like I got that experience, especially because it's so soon. Like the Everdell complete collection didn't even come out a year ago. So I'm like, what's, what was the rush to do this now? No, it's a fair question. I think one thing I'm curious to hear your thoughts on too. I have a few thoughts in this vein. And so full disclosure, I'm a little self-interested in steering it this way, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you'll even um, buy into this premise, the premise of this question, but what I'm trying to get at is you mentioned the gameplay is very similar, obviously, to the base game. Yep. Are there any, like, alterations or tweaks or changes to it that you would have liked to see that might have changed it up more that you didn't see like for instance say say you're in a brainstorming session for whatever this sequel to this is what would you mm-hmm. like to see in it that wasn't in this 
I want a completely different game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's my okay. thing. Like okay, and like what, I'm what, like, I am not I am not like, a I'm I'm not a game designer, so I don't okay. really know per se. But like, I want to play. Like you know, we've pre-ordered Scholars of the South Tigris that's coming in a few months, or we just played Paladins for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and even though we've played multiple games in that universe, we were still surprised. And every time you open a new one, it's a different experience Mm -hmm. with the, just like the core DNA is the look and it's a worker placement game. That's it. And that's what I really wanted out of this. And I hope that it's what they do next time, because if they do this a third time, I, I don't know, like, I don't know who's going to buy that. And I kind of feel bad if someone does a third time. Um, But like, so to answer your question, like, I don't know what I wanted. All I know is that I wanted something different. And I mm-hmm. wanted it to be as fun as Everdell. I wanted it to be as strategic and satisfying as Everdell. And just have the same general feeling, the same general vibe of like a nice, relaxing worker placement experience that, you know, people are going to like because it's a great theme and a great presentation. And easy to comprehend mechanics, but that still reward, you know, playing it time and again and trying different combos. And there are lots of different ways to do that. Yeah. Um, again, even like as recent, like when we played expeditions, that's a totally different game than scythe. But like, if you, but like you have mechs and you have the cool artwork and the only DNA it has in common is that, and just the choosing what combo of things you want to do on a turn because you can't do this, the same thing two times in a row and then fulfilling objectives. Other than that, it's a totally different experience. And right. that's what I wanted out of this. And if, if like they made a Scythe 2 and it was the same game and you asked me like what I would want different, that, that's what I want. Like I don't want Scythe 2, I want Expeditions. And that's yeah. what I wanted. I didn't want Everdell 2, I wanted something completely different. Yeah. Especially because ever again, like the original Everdell came out in 2019, and like they've put out an expansion basically every year since, leading up to the complete collection last fall. Um, right. So this just it just doesn't feel justified to me, and I know that sounds harsh, but like you know, at the end of the day, like as much as these are hobbies and stuff, it's also someone's business, and I think that it's fair to reward people who do this, who do like, who really like try new things and then like call people out who don't. Well, or I think, I think that's fair. I mean, framing it. Or challenge them to do something more ambitious. I mean, I, I think I prefer to think about it from the perspective of the customer, the person who's buying the game. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, I th- I think I'd frame it that way. Just you know, because I agree with you. I would have liked to see a more different game than what this was. But at the very least, if it was going to be the largely the same game, it would have been nice to see it marketed that way. Agreed completely. Like if they just said this is a this is Everdell, but just a different theme, basically, like a different look then fine. Then then it's Raiders of Scythia, and I have no problem with that. It's just something about it feels a little icky that huh. that wasn't yeah. um, 
That's super fair. transparent. I do. You know? Yeah. No, I get that. I do want to share a couple like workshopping ideas. I, I can't. Okay, yeah. I mean, few, if you if you have I can't, some, go no, for it. And, and, well, and like I said, that's the main reason I asked this because I do have a couple. Um, one thing that I think would be interesting is if you added a couple cards mm -hmm. that are a sixth class but basically function as a wild and they wouldn't really have any powers and they wouldn't really have any or maybe watered down powers and they wouldn't really give you like a lot of in-game benefits but the idea would just be it gives you a fail safe way to like if you really need that fourth green power and you can't get it another way, you can play one of these cards and it's your fourth green, but at the expense of the cards, not giving you much else. Nice. Yeah, I could, I could see that working. Do you think like, would those cards be on the more expensive end or like, would they still give you points? Even well, if they have no abilities. I think, I think, I think through, play testing you could figure out what the right balance right. is i think you either you make them expensive enough that it hurts or you make them cheaper but they don't give Have you no anything else yeah yeah okay so, so that's one that comes to mind another that comes to mind is it would have been fun to see i think i'm a little bit more open to a gameplay that's similar to everdell with a couple more variations, whereas you're more in the camp of like a largely new game. One thing that comes to mind on the resource <clears throat> gathering for this that could be fun is I wanted, I wanted to see something that leaned more into the shoreline theme of the game. So a couple ideas that came to mind were, you know, having every seasonal change have, a couple resources quote unquote wash up on shore and yeah. then a little bit like parks you've got like the extra sun and the extra water and just first person to go to that spot gets an extra resource yeah see i i like that i like all these ideas you have it's just in my mind that's just that's what an expansion is for there's no reason that, that couldn't be expansion content in everdell and even yeah. then, there are expansions that exist for Everdell, particularly that, Spirecrest and Pearlbrook, that are even more different gameplay-wise than yes. this is as a standalone game. So I'm like... You're definitely you right know, about that. Like, we could have just had Everdell Far Shore expansion, and I would have been 100% down for that, and I would have great things to say. Yeah. No? Yeah. That's fair. I gotcha. So, so Ed, end of the day rating wise what are your thoughts on this game where, where would you rate it on a scale of one to ten i'm gonna do something that i have not yet done i'm gonna give this a six okay and part of me like it's a six but it has an asterisk on it because at the end of the day i love everdell everdell is one of my top three games, as you might recall from our top 10 episode. Yes. I have the complete collection. I have invested a good amount in Everdell and I've played it many times and I want to play it many more times. So for me to 
say that this game, however, is a six, while it's still still a good, while it's still like the same game as Everdell, seems like it may be kind of contradictory. But my love for like Everdell is just not enough to overcome like the kind of bad taste I got in my mouth of like whether or not this game felt necessary to me and whether it felt kind of like it was exploiting that love for Everdell and how popular Everdell is. And I, I know that like in the past people have had issues with Starling games as it relates to Everdell content in them, you know, releasing a whole bunch of different editions of the same game. The, on the expansions. Do they have other games out there besides Everdell? Well, Starling is like an imprint of some other bigger publisher. I don't know. Uh, um, but basically, so, so like your had like issue Everdell, is more with the bigger publisher then. It it is with like the kind of like grimy business practices we kind of mentioned with like some of the Kickstarter conversations we've had in the past about things like Ankh even. Mm. Um, just like like making really good stuff and then like taking advantage of how much people love it. That really rubs me the wrong way. Mm. And I don't feel like it would be fair to give this game a more positive rating than that. When I think about just like the lack of apparent effort that went into like trying to make something great to be worthy of like sitting beside such a great game as Everdell. Yeah. You know, so like I think base Everdell, I would give an eight. And so I'd give this probably about the same. And then I'm docking it a few points for all those reasons. Yeah. What that's about fair. you? Uh, I'm going to, I mean, honestly, similar. I'm going to give it a six and a half. So okay. the, I think the reason I'm a little higher than you is I just, I want to give a head nod to some of the, like housekeeping, like just pacing of the game improvements, like the stacking of multiples of the same card and like some of the additional spots on the board that make the game play a little bit more seamless. I want to give a head nod to that. And I did appreciate the attention to detail on those things. I also agree with a lot of what you said. Like I, won't I won't claim to like you know have insight into like the business decisions being made here but I definitely agree with you that there seemed to be a mismatch between um what was what the marketing copy said and what the game actually offers and the the other reason that I'm you know lower on this than base Everdell is just I think they tinkered with some of the secret sauce of the original game in ways that like, despite those quality of life improvements, like made it a game that isn't as fun to me as the base game. And when you add to that, the fact that you can play the base game interchangeably with these four existing expansions and kind of scale Mm -hmm. up and down depending on who you're playing with, whether it's new players or like a bunch of people that love the game and have played it a ton. Um, I don't given I, I, and I mean, I've seen it similar 
reviews from others. So that leads me to believe that we're probably not going to see three to four standalone expansions for this game. Far short. I, and, and I think it would be a huge mistake for them to well, like and, but, try to overdo and, it on this. Well, and what I, and the reason I mentioned that is I was trying to think through in my mind, if I was talking to someone who really only wants the base game, would I recommend base Everdell or would I recommend this? Uh, I, even if I was talking to someone who is completely sure they're not interested in expansions, I'm still not sure I'd recommend this over base Everdell. Agreed. Like I don't think I'm I probably would. At, yeah, like I'm maybe at the point where you could maybe talk me into it, but it's going to be a tough, tough sell. All I will say on this, just to kind of end on an encouraging note, is yeah. that I just want to say, like, this is really, like, I'm I'm not, like, nothing that I've said is directed really at James Wilson or... Um, Certainly not, yes. Or Clarissa Wilson or Jackie Davis, because I think, obviously, those are all very talented people based on their resumes and prior work. I think... I would just caution Starling Games that if it is that depending on the reception to this, maybe we were the anomaly that if they do continue in this Everdell universe and do try other games, that they try something different. Um, yeah. And that you let the creatives be creative. And even if that means that you have to bring in like other co-designers or you let other people design in this universe. Yeah. It's and, worth it because I yeah. think like there's a lot that people love about the Everdell universe. And I think that much like the other, you know, board game franchises that we've talked about tonight and others, there is room there to like do this right. And I think that Everdell is such a great game that it deserves to be done right. Yeah, completely agree with you on on yeah. all those fronts. Like I'm I remain a huge fan of you know, base Everdell and James and Clarissa Wilson's work. And this, you know, even though I'm, you know, a bit sour on, on far shore, it does not in the slightest diminish my enjoyment of Everdell itself. And I will try to keep an open mind for what comes out from them next. I probably am not, well, I almost certainly am not like a no questions asked will pre-order, but I would pick it up in like Labyrinth games and like play it just to see what it's like for sure. Right. Or like, you know, be more discerning and like look at a lot of reviews before yeah. looking into like to see if it is something different. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Well, I'm not sure what our next episode will be, but hopefully it'll be a little bit more uh, fun. <laughs> well, I don't know. This one, I, 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 I really did enjoy the the comparisons in this one. And yeah. you know, while the at the end of the day, it didn't come out quite the way I think either of us had hoped. Um, you know, there's still a lot of enjoyment to get out of the base game, and we're not gonna. We're not going to yeah. sell that short by any means. Yeah. And I think also like there is also value to be had in being critical of things. Like not yes. every game that you play yeah. or review 
or even buy has to be your favorite game and it's okay to not love something or to have you know not positive feedback about something sometimes because sometimes that actually makes people better designers if they're receptive to that or you get a better sense of what you like and what you don't like um yeah on that note one thing i one last thing i did want to say in closing was just i would be interested in a game that like you said is markedly different from this even if there are like warts and flaws to it like trying something different a little experimental i'm completely on board with that idea yeah and i mean and again i think am i right to say that that's kind of how you feel about expeditions like we played it again last night and you said like you still don't love it the way you love scythe but I mean, it's grown on me I, right, a lot more. Like, right. I really I, like but it. I but I like, respect the effort to do something new and different. Exactly. Exactly. And that, I think, is just the issue with Farshore. Yeah. But anyway, we'll leave yeah. it at that. We'll catch you next week. Talk to you next week.